Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Here's Pastor Ryan. A.W. Tozer, in whom we're studying at our men's breakfasts, in the book called uh, A Voice of a Prophet, wonderful book. We discussed this very situation, this not listening to God, not listening to God's counsel, doing your own thing, and thinking everything's peachy peach. God did what Elijah asked him because Elijah had done what God had asked. I'm going to repeat that. God did what Elijah asked because Elijah did what God had asked him. The man who will hear God is the man God will hear. The man who will hear God is the man God will hear. If we ignore God's warnings, guys, and counsel, God will chasten us. He loves us too much to leave that characteristic flaw in us. Too many of us have pawned off God's word to do our own thing. And just to cover it and say, oh, no, God's for it. Look at the weather's good. It's sunny outside, of course. If God wasn't with it, obviously there'd be a storm. But it's sunny outside. He must be behind it. There's success. He must be behind it. But then all of a sudden, down the line, something happens. But I believe God brings chastening when we don't heed uh, his word, his messengers, his counsel. The things that we have in our life to enjoy, speaking of thanksgiving, the things that we have in our life to enjoy, you name it. What do we have that we haven't first received? Think of all of the provisions you have. Think about the clothing, the food, the jobs, the finances. Think about your kids, your grandkids, your home. Think about your occupation. Think about your schooling. Think about all that you possess. All of it you have and I have because God in his grace has given that to you. And I believe when we do not listen to the word of God, listen to the counsel of God, do our own thing, that he will allow those things that he has first given to us to enjoy to get out of sync. And you hear, I've, I've seen it time and again, the enemy, I'm in a trial that the enemy has me in. Maybe it's not the enemy who has you in that trial. Maybe your kids are out of whack. Your home is out of whack. Your job is out of whack because God has been speaking to you about a certain thing that you think it's okay to not follow, not do. I see my relationship with God as a very loving and gracious and merciful one. But he's also to be feared. And when he says that something has to be done his way at his timing, I surrender or else I can expect some chastening. Because I'm his son after all, aren't you? So he'll use the things that, oh, we appreciate and love and guard these things. And we pray Over here, bless these things. This is what I want your blessing. But like Tozer said, if you're not hearing him, and you're not obeying what he said, you know, three weeks ago, and you're just moving on from that, 
Maybe we've moved on, but God hasn't moved on. That's what I've seen time and again in ministry. People running from character flaws where God's trying to deal with them. And, and they come back later on beat up and battered like they've been in a storm. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, the prophet told Saul, for, the, for, the, for rebellion is as, sin, is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as, is as the inequity of idolatry. What is it that God is saying we need to change, do, or, or not do? What is it? Storms come for various reasons, right? And thank God that Paul was in this big one because we get to, to learn from um, what he went through. But uh, again, there was a, everything looked peachy peach. The wind was blowing softly, but not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocliden. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, which is south of Crete, the wind is pushed. They're trying to go this way and to stay right underneath the island, the island. And they're, they're, they're down by Clauda. They're, the, the wind is just taking them. We, we secured the skiff with difficulty. The skiff for all those from the hood like me who don't know what a skiff is. It's a lifeboat. It's those little lifeboats that were you know most likely towed in the back of the ship and was probably filling with water, but they secured that with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And so somehow they got the ropes around the big old ship and were able to secure it, uh, fearing lest they should run uh, aground on the Sirtis uh, Islands. They struck sail and so were driven. And verse 18, and because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. So they began to toss things overboard to lighten the ship. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard uh, with our hands. And so uh, the tackle is the, those pulleys that you see in movies, unless anybody here is into boats and stuff, that they use to lift and and uh, load cargo onto ships and off. So I've, I've just seen it in movies. Like I said, I'm from the hood. So we didn't have that. You know, those elementary schools in the hood, they always try to take kids on field trips to see things they've never seen, like smogless societies or something. You know, they just, they take them on field trips. So they never took us to the marina and teach us about skiffs and tackle. But anyways, that's what it is. But we see that uh, in verse 19, on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. And so they're at their wits end, but we see that they tried to, you know, secure the skiff, throw out the tackle, lighten the ship, uh, secure the boat in 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 the various ways that they knew how. But we, we learn that some storms, they come into our life to get us to our wit's end so that we stop trying to fix everything, trying to figure everything out. And some of us are fixers and we want things fixed now. And we try to just do it all, do it all. There's no seeking the Lord. There's no, 
waiting for God to give the answers and the directions. We just go, go, go. And oftentimes these storms get us to that place to where we've exhausted all of our strength, all of our energy, all of, I can't do anything, Lord. And finally, we let God. You know, we're reminded, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. We know that verse, right? But it goes on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Andrew Murray has one of the greatest books, man. He was a a Scottish missionary to South Africa. He wrote a killer book called Humility. And what it's basically the gist of his book was that humility is being dependent on God. It's not doing what we think is right. It's not doing what we think is right, but doing what God says is right. To go against what God says is right, it's prideful, it's arrogance. And he says every spiritual failure will be the result of pride. Pride he defined as doing your own thing, not being uh, dependent on God, but being independent of God's will. And so if we can learn by God's grace, hey, Lord, I'm dependent on you all the time. No need for you to send me that storm. That's where we want to be. I'm just going to like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help every day. Less storms. But if we got it all under control, we think we know what's up. All hope was gone. All hope that they would be saved was finally given up. Verse 21, but after long abstinence from food, okay, there's fasting going on. Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, man, you should have listened to me. I like that. I told you so. (laughs) I told you so. Well, it's not like Paul was in this for their destruction. It wasn't like he was warning them not to go, not to do that for their destruction, but because he loved them. Don't go, don't sail. Should have listened to me. The Lord speaks to this guy. Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. And so we see here that in the midst of the storm, it was an opportunity for Paul to shine for the Lord. It was a time for him to show how down his God is. Paul's shining. They've all lost hope. They've been fasting. They haven't eaten. And he stands up and he's letting them see God through him courageous, a good leader, bold. I I submit to you that the trials we go through are an opportunity for us to show how powerful our God is and how we trust in his power and his ability to help us. I don't want to be one that faints in the day of trouble, like Proverbs 24, 10 says, if you faint in the day of adversary, your strength is small. I want my faith to soar. I want my faith to be strong and courageous. In Proverbs 28, verse 1, it says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. That's the kind of faith I want. 
I don't want to fear one man, let alone 10,000 men. That kind of boldness is what we need in the light of all this fear being stirred up by the media and the, the dummies of the world. God bless them to open their eyes that they might see. They're lost, they're blind. And when they lose hope, you're there. I'm there to say there's still help in Christ. There's still help in Christ. That's who we need to be in these last days. It is in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. And he tells them to take courage. I like that. Or to take heart. For there stood by me, verse 23, this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. So we see the source of Paul's courage and strength in the midst of the storm is he realized or knew that God was with him. The difference between him and the rest of the guys on that boat was that he knew God was there with them in that storm. And that's the key. We see that that they fasted, no doubt. Paul's a praying guy who, who, would, who would encourage the churches to pray without ceasing. So he's praying, he's fasting, he's seeking the Lord, and that is where courage comes from. If you're in a storm and a trial, you need courage, you need faith. It's only going to happen if you seek the Lord in prayer. If you seek the Lord with fastings, just spending that time. It's not a short amount of time, guys, as we would, as our flesh would like. All right. Rub a dub dub. Thanks for the grub. But sit and wait. Be still and know that he is God. Take your watch off and don't give him a time limit and don't leave until your faith is soaring, until the fear subsides, till the anxieties go away, till the doubt is crushed by faith. It only happens at his foot. I've been played the last five months, I think July 1st, since my eye condition and I see everything illuminated. Doctors don't know what, what the deal is. What can I do? But know that Christ is in the storm with me. And I thank Paul. I love Paul when I see him in heaven. How are your eyes? <laughs> Because he had eye issues. And if he didn't have eye issues, then I would really lose hope. But I can't because he, he was able to still preach and serve the Lord like that. So whatever. And I have a good family here that loves me, so we're, we're good. Do not be afraid, Paul. I like that. Why did God have to say that to him at this point? Some might think he's he's been in three shipwrecks already. I'm sure he would have gotten used to them by now and not and not have been so afraid. Maybe you have been brave before concerning a certain thing. Maybe you have been courageous dealing with children or grandchildren or friends or hurting people. Maybe God has used you and you've been brave and he's anointed you to be brave at those times. Humility says, go back to the well and get more strength and more courage. Because even though you've done it three times, be humble enough to know that you need him for that fourth time. You need him for that fourth time. 
I preached across country last, last week to a lot of people. And I need the courage to preach to you guys this morning, even though I've done it a bunch, a bunch of times already, even in this condition. That's, we got to depend on the Lord every day. Do not be afraid. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, which is between uh, Italy and uh, Greece, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, and they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. A fathom is six feet times 20. I think that's 120 feet deep. When they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from uh, the prow, these dirty sailors, they were pretending uh, to put anchors down, but they were really putting the lifeboat down to jam. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Sounds like Noah. He sounds like Sweet Hills. Unless you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will not see heaven. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes and of the skiff and, and let it fall off. I mean, that's an orthodox for God. In order to be saved, you have to you have to cut the lines to the lifeboat. I mean, come on. It's true. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. It's no longer about your own life, life uh, preserver, your, your safety net, your safety boat, your, 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 your warm nest. It's now about following Jesus anywhere. Cut the umbilical cord and follow him. Look at what he said. You know, he who, who loves mother or father or daughter or son more than me is not worthy to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I mean, think about that. Like cut. We belong to him now. And like Jesus at 12 year old, 12 years of age, who said to Mary and Joseph, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? That's what we're about. That's what we let family and friends know. We're about our father's business. We belong to him now. No, you belong to me and you will still do and live the way I want you to live. No, no, no. I belong to the Lord now. He made me. He gave me to you. Isaiah 55, it says, uh, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This doesn't make sense. We're going to get rid of the lifeboat and be saved. Because God's ways are not our ways. 
Sometimes the right thing is the opposite of what we think is right, in, even in God's eyes. This has to be right. This has to be legit. This has to be the right path. But no, sometimes God says no. Sometimes less is more with God. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day. You have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And how cool is this? They hadn't eaten in 14 days, and now he's saying you need to eat for their strength. They're about to uh, exit the boat, the ship. I remember when I first learned about fasting, kind of that first year I got saved. And I remember the pastor saying, watch out though, you older men, make sure you get a little something or drink a, drink a lot of liquids. And he said that to me as well as a young man. And I remember being younger in the Lord, and I could fast so much better. All right, in your 20s, you can really fast. And then I'm 46. It's like, oh, man. Uh, you know, I'll just, I used to fast like for days and now it's like, I'm going to fast an afternoon or a morning. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to be safe. Some of us are on the border of diabetes. So we have to be careful, but there's wisdom in taking care of your body for sure. There's wisdom in it, and I'm learning it. You know, doing those three services in Maine, um, I flew through the first one, boom. Midway to the, through the second one, I, I felt like I hit a wall. I hadn't eaten breakfast. I thought all the lobster I ate the night before would get me through all three of them. But I hit a, I hit a wall. But I even said when I left the hotel to go down there, they'll probably have some donuts. I'll grab one, bam, and I'll be fine. No donuts. <laughs> Shoot, man. So I got off, I got through the second one, and it was like that Snickers commercial, you know, where you're just not yourself. And so Clarissa was able to get, we were able to get some donuts in me. And then third, and then, then third, third service, bam, just, just like the first one. I, and you know, you think of Elijah running from God in the cave. He was, he was running from, uh, Jezebel. Remember Elijah? And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, rise and eat. As if it's something basic. Like, no wonder you're so grumpy. Eat something. <laughs> I think of Jonathan when they were in battle and uh, during the time of, of King Saul. And now he grabs some of that honey, remember? And Saul had like made an oath that no one's going to eat anything or they'll die. And Jonathan grabs some of that honey and he ate it. And it says that his countenance changed. Maybe that'll help us, and hopefully it does. And as he said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, uh, he began to eat. So his witness is being seen. He's, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that a, a lot of them are are you know most of them are not, most of them are not believers we can say that without a doubt most of them are not there's prisoners who are probably going to Rome on that ship to die to be executed so it's not time to be hiding his faith 
grabs the bread, thanks God in the presence of them all. This is who's going to save us. This is what the world needs. Open witness, declaration of who we are. Not shoving it down people's throats, but just not backing down at restaurants. Thank you for this meal. It's like, let's pray. You never know who's watching. And so it was a very open thing that he did. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.